the scripture reading taken in connection with this, and which is the focus of our sermon for today, is Isaiah 28. We'll be reading together from Isaiah chapter 28, the verses 23 to 29. Now, as we just sang of the Lord's calling his people to to hear and not to stray, so too do we come to Isaiah speaking to the people to listen to the words of the Lord and to, to hear and words of warning as well in what is coming. Isaiah 28, verses 23 and following. Give ear and hear my voice. Listen and hear my speech. Does the plowman keep plowing all day to sow? Does he keep turning his soil and breaking the clods? When he has leveled its surface, does he not sow the black cumin and scatter the cumin, plant the wheat in rows, the barley in the appointed place and spelt in its place. For he instructs him in right judgment. His God teaches him. For the black cumin is not threshed with a threshing sledge, nor a cartwheel rolled over the cumin, but the black cumin is beaten out with a stick and the cumin with a rod. Red flour must be ground. Therefore he does not thresh it forever. Break it with his cartwheel or crush it with his horsemen. This also comes from the Lord of hosts, who is wonderful in counsel and excellent in guidance. So far, the word of God. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, although with the snow that has been falling recently, you might not think it so much, spring is well on the way. We're seeing a bit more of the sun and of crops that are going into the ground. And while not many of you may have been doing much traveling around, especially you boys and girls, You adults, you've probably seen a little more field work while you were going to work or going to the grocery store. Tractors have been out plowing the fields. Seeds are being or have been planted. And preparations are underway for a busy new year. It's because of that that we do our traditional prayer for crops and labor at this time of year. Though not too many in our congregation are farmers anymore, the picture of field work beginning and new life rising from the ground is a reminder to all of us to bring our labor before the Lord in prayer. But as you smell the freshly turned over soil and hear the rumble of tractors in the fields, and as your place of work is maybe gearing up for a new season, have you thought about what you want from your work, what the purpose is for your work. In the first place, many of us appreciate having our work just acknowledged. Dads, as they come home from work, enjoy it when their wives or children thank them for working hard to be able to bring them the comforts of home. Moms, after a busy day with their children, are grateful when their husbands recognize all of the effort that went in 
to making it possible for them to go to work without having to worry about things on the home front. And not just on Mother's Day, but also every other day as well. Because their wives have been on the job, well, they have, and they have been working hard. It brings to mind to us Proverbs 11, verse 25. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. A word of acknowledgement, appreciation, and encouragement can go a long ways for us. In the second place, many of us also look for satisfaction from our work. To have a job that's a grind day in and day out can be challenging. All jobs, of course, have their difficult times, but if if you have a job that's just a real grind that you really don't like from day to day, if you dislike every moment of your work, you're likely going to have a hard time staying satisfied, and that's why many also look for satisfaction from their work. And in the third place, many people look for money as the result of their work. They want to be paid, They want families to be supported, and maybe they want to expand their businesses or live comfortable lives. But these three things, acknowledgement, satisfaction, or money, are these the reason that you work? Are these the main focus of your lives as you come to work? For some, it can be. But today, I want to encourage you to look at your work from a different point of view, from an eternal point of view, that our work has purpose, and from there, to see that God's work has purpose. And so I proclaim to you God's word as we consider this passage from Isaiah 28, verses 23 to 29, Listen as God teaches about his plan. And we'll see in the first place that as with our work, the Lord's work has purpose, it has a plan. And in the second place, the Lord's plan is wonderful. Before we dive into that, however, it's good to see the background of our passage today, to see what's been going on. For the Jews in Isaiah's day, when this prophecy was written, it would have been challenging for them to reflect on the fact that the Lord's plan had a great purpose or that it was wonderful for many of them. In the, on the one hand, you had many people who had been living lives that were not good, not faithful to the Lord, and that their lives seemed to be carrying on just fine. On the other hand, you had the danger of enemies on the borders, murmurings of nations that were sweeping through country after country. The fall of Israel to the Assyrian armies sweeping down from the north hasn't taken place yet, but the danger is there on every side. And the fact that they will fall has recently been prophesied by Isaiah as a sure thing. More than that, Judah, where Isaiah is currently at, where he is prophesying, would also not escape. Although they wouldn't fall and go into exile just yet, 
They would suffer very much under the first invasion of Israel under the Assyrians because the Assyrians would move south into Judah for a time as well. So when you had these things happening, it could be challenging for the people. Now, of course, God had made it clear why this was going to happen. It was going to happen as a sign of judgment over Judah and over Ephraim, the tribe that was one of the largest to the north, and so the one that was used to describe the rest of the nation. And you can see that if you look earlier in Isaiah 28. They've been escaping the consequences of their sin for quite some time now, but their time of escape will come to an end. Why? Because as we look in verse 21, just prior to our passage, God is angry with sin. It's the reminder for the people that sin is not something to be taken lightly. And it's a reminder for us today as well that sin is not something to be taken lightly, that it's something that deeply grieves God. Sometimes you might hear it that someone says, well, I'm not doing so good in one area of my life, but the rest is going pretty good. And you might get the idea that they feel pretty good that they've got the rest of their life under control, even though they've surrendered to sin in one area. Maybe this is you. And if this is you, I want to challenge you on this, loved ones. If you say, I I slipped again with my temper, but the rest of my life is doing fine. Or maybe, I fell into porn again, but the rest of my life is okay. Or my problems with authority caused me to act out again against my parents, against the elders, or against the government. But apart from that incident, I've got everything under control. Well, there can be two ways of looking at sin that holds us close in life. And and one of them is good, and one of them is seriously problematic. In the first place, if you've got a sin that's controlling your life, and you are throwing everything you have at it, coming before God in repentance and asking for his mercy and grace and for his help in leaving this sin, praise God. In Christ, he will grant you forgiveness. The strength to get back up again. Brothers and sisters around you to support if you reach out to them. And ultimately, a way out of sin. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13 speaks about that. But in the second place, if you are in the position of uh, Judah and Israel at this point in time, feeling pretty relaxed in their particular sins because you feel like you have the rest of life under control, I want to challenge you on that. Because as the Lord points out, to Israel leading up to our passage today. God cares. And as with them, he warned that he will act if they continue in sin complacently. Now some might mock that idea and might laugh and say, well, it's not that big of a deal. Nothing has happened yet. Why should it happen now? But God says in verse 22, 
that mocking will make the outcome worse. And to turn, for Israel to turn to him before they couldn't anymore. But for those who do run into challenges because of sin, for those who do run into challenges because of sin, it's not yet the end of the line. Because coming into our passage today, knowing that as the background and the warnings that are coming in the background, coming into our passage today, God gives great comfort. In our passage, verses 23 to 29, he says, listen to me. I'm going to give you a picture that if you pay attention, will give you wisdom. Judgment is coming. Challenges are coming. But there is a purpose to it all. And where we understand that purpose, we will have wisdom and we will have peace. Then to explain what he means, he gives us a picture of everyday life for the Jews. A man at a plow. Every spring, what is being described here in our passage today would be a picture that would be the same again, time and time again. Men would go out into the fields. Plowmen would break the soil for as long as it was light. Then next, they would follow it up with something called a harrow, which broke the clods of soil into smaller pieces, breaking the clods. Verse 24 speaks about that as well. Getting up at the crack of dawn, they would stay into the fields until the sun went down again, day after day after day. Now, what was the point of all of that for them? They themselves would understand. If they were just going up and down the fields forever and, and all they got out of it was turning over a, a, another furrow in the soil, then it would be pretty depressing. Not much to be seen after all of that. You boys and girls might be able to imagine the outcome of that. Sitting at home doing your homework and even having something come out of it, you can find it challenging now, imagine that you walked a whole day behind a plow from sunup to sunset. And that's all you did every day. And all you could see was the soil turning over and over and over again. Not even using a big tractor like the ones that we have today, but just a single blade pulled by a donkey or a cow, or if you're lucky, maybe two of them. You would get bored soon, wouldn't you? you would wonder what the point of it was. You want to have a point to the things you do because you can only do pointless things for so long. But here's the point that God's bringing to our attention today. That farmers are encouraged to keep on working because they do know that there is a point to it. They can keep on going day after day after day because they know that the season for plowing will soon be over. And then they only have so much time in which to work. After that, they will begin planting. And after planting, they will have a satisfaction and the joy of seeing their crops grow little by little. And then comes the harvest. 
That is the point of it. And that's just the picture for what we're doing on our spiritual level as well, isn't it? Because as Christians, we recognize we were reflecting on what the purpose was uh, earlier, what the purpose was for, for the reason for our work. But as Christians, we recognize that there's more to our work than just the physical rewards that we get as well, don't we? Are we just working for our bodies? Are we just working to sustain this, this flesh? Of course not. God teaches us to work with our hands so that we can give. Ephesians 4 verse 28. As we work, we are reminded to look beyond just what we can bring in, beyond just to what we can use to sustain us. We are called to look beyond that to the incredible amount of good that our money and our help can do, not just for us, but also for others. How we can be a blessing through that. As we reflect on this day of prayer for crops and labor, God uses our work and our looking beyond our work to remind us to have outward-focused hearts as well. At the same time, he teaches us to lean on him for our daily bread. We are reminded that in the pra- of that in the prayer of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That as we carry on from day to day, we pray for God to supply us with our daily bread. And so we're not just looking outwards, but we're also looking upwards as we carry on in our day-to-day work. Our work has purpose. And through all that, we are reminded that in all the work we do and all the dependence that we show, it's ultimately for the glory of God. Now, of course, There are those who don't look beyond the physical. They only look to this body, to the flesh. We read in Proverbs 14, verse 23, that as a general rule, those who work hard will receive profit. God will give profit. But we also know from Psalm 106, verse 15, that while God gives profit to our labors, He also gives poverty of soul for people whose only focus for work is inward. And this is a call and a reminder for us to humble ourselves if we found that this work has become all about us and our goals as the greater purpose. And to pray that God would not surrender us to poverty of soul. God calls us to look beyond just our daily work to the big picture, the final outcome. Mothers also have this picture before them. And I would be remiss if I didn't include them also in this Mother's Day. They are given a glorious task with a glorious purpose. Now, when you're just in the daily slog, it can be easy to forget that. If you're fighting to to just get your children to, to do their homework, Or if one of your children has a meltdown while another is getting into everything and you're trying to cook breakfast and everything else is going on, 
When you feel their constant presence hanging around you every minute of every day because they're locked in the same house as you in the midst of everything that's going on 24-7, it can be easy to get frustrated and to think, why is this daily grind so difficult? But then it's good to be reminded again to take a step back as our passage reminds us today that we look at the bigger picture, that we look at the greater goal. God chose you to be the mother of this child or of these children. Flawed as you are, inadequate as you sometimes can feel, you are the mother of this covenant child or these children. You are the instrument in his hand. And the purpose is the most important in this world. He works through you to bring glory to his name through these children. God is using you as an instrument in your hand, and you can stand in awe of God at that. And as you you deal with the constant struggles of children and how they can't fall into line with what you'd like them to do necessarily, and as you reflect on your own struggles as a child of God, as he looks down on you who who are struggling and are also failing time and time again with impatience here and whatever else, then you can still reflect on this. Even in the midst of that, all of that, God still has patience with me. And this gives me the courage to remember to see the bigger picture, the strength to see the bigger picture and look to him and direct the hearts and eyes of our children to him as well. We can have the comfort that in the first place, God has a purpose for me through the children, and that's to sanctify me. As I raise my children and as I come to see my own limits, as I teach them the wonderful truths of the Lord, I become aware that God is changing me through all of this. And more than that, he has a purpose through me for all of his children. He's shaping them into what he intends them to be. And so you mothers have an incredible and sacred task. And this is a reason for us to humble ourselves before God. But in all of these things, we ourselves are taught something too, aren't we? Because God, when he says, give ear and hear my voice, listen and hear my speech. And then he gives us an earthly example of something that has a purpose and an end goal. The point is not the fact that our earthly work here has a purpose and an end goal, although we are reminded of that as we work. But the point is this. If this is true for us, if our work here on earth has purpose, and an end goal in mind. How much more is it not true for God himself? And this is the key to this passage. This isn't just an arbitrary description of some farmers in the field, some random description of some farmers who are plowing up and down from dawn till dark. 
But God is teaching us that this is an image for what he is doing as he carries on his work. As he was speaking to his covenant people in the nations of Israel to the north and Judah to the south, facing the challenges of their situation and the warnings that they are going to face waves of enemy armies pouring over their borders, crushing the people. God was teaching them all that this is going to happen. But it's not going to be meaningless destruction. He has a purpose in all of that. Even in this the Lord will have a hand. Even though from the point of the view of the nations around them, God is defeated, God is using this. He was working the plow. This was a time of upheaval, a time of everything turning over, but that's because there was a plow cutting through the land and the soil was being prepared making it ready to receive the seed. And his plan was wonderful. This is at the, it's at this point that the Lord brings out another metaphor, one that's connected to harvest time. For the black cumin, he says in verse 27, is not threshed with a threshing sledge, nor a cartwheel rolled over the cumin. But the black cumin is beaten out with a stick and the cumin with a rod. Bread flour must be ground. Therefore, he doesn't thresh it forever, break it with a cartwheel, or crush it with his horsemen. Now for us, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense because we don't live in that society. We don't watch as men going, go around hitting the plants with sticks to collect the seeds of cumin. We don't watch as a man takes a grinding stone and grinds the wheat to make flour and to have all of that come out. But this is the point here. When the Lord is at work, he will carry out his work for as long as it takes to accomplish what he means to do by it. And no longer when the Lord plows the soil, it's only to break it up, to heave it over in order to prepare the soil for seed. When the Lord is beating the plants at harvest time, it's only for as long as it takes to collect the seed that falls there. And during these times, it can be challenging for us. During these times, it can genuinely be difficult for us. And we can ask ourselves, when will this end? Will this ever come to an end? This can sometimes take longer because the soil is hard. When hearts are hard and resistant to what the Lord is teaching his people, as was the case in the nation of Israel, or for ourselves when we are caught in trouble and sorrow because of our own sin, then it can take a lot longer as God is working through all of this. But it's not always because of hardness of heart. Sometimes God is teaching individuals and sometimes teaching nations, leading them through 
the fire in order to purify them on the other side, to create something new and glorious, whatever the case may be, whether for you as an individual or for a nation like Israel or even for a globe like in the situation of the virus today, God is busy preparing the soil. God is preparing for his work. God is busy threshing. God is busy harvesting, preparing to collect his seed. Now when we read about the threshing and the cartwheel being rolled, we might miss an important point here that's being drawn out. For many of us, it's just, well, He's bringing in seed, and I don't really get it beyond that. But these are the different things that you would do to collect the seeds and to separate the kernels from the seeds. God was using this as a picture of judgment, it's true. But even in the face of that, even in the face of what was described in verse 22 leading up to this passage where it says there was a destruction determined to come on them, a destruction determined by the Lord, even in the face of all of that, we still find grace. We still find mercy. And that's found in these words. That the Lord will not thresh forever. He will not break it with the cartwheel. The Lord is not working to destroy his people. He is not working to destroy the harvest. A farmer works carefully to bring in the harvest under his care with the least amount of possible damage because he wants to receive the benefits of his labor. How much more does the Lord not do that? Now notice the difference between the treatment of the various crops, human, grain, and grain described in verses 27 and 28. Our Lord, though he disciplines us and teaches us, for those who believe, it's still less than our sins deserve. And he is going out of his way to make sure the more tender crops will not be crushed. Black cumin is beaten out with a stick. That's how it's harvested. But it's not placed under the same intense pressure that grain is when it comes under the cartwheel, when it's broken under the cartwheel to get the seed separated from everything else. It's not placed under the same pressures and under the same strain. Otherwise, it would be destroyed completely. And in the same way, we can see that this is true for us. Our Lord Jesus Christ was crushed for us, bruised for our sins, nailed to a cross of wood. Christ was not handled tenderly. He was crushed under the cartwheel of God's harvesting work. But even that was for a purpose. This came from the Lord of hosts, the God of armies who holds all in his control. Christ's chastisement under a heavier labor of the Lord brought us peace. Christ being crushed 
brought us God's tender care. And it brought with it the promise that not one of them would slip out of his hand. That Jesus' people would not be crushed and destroyed. While we are disciplined and taught and prepared in ways that we are not always comfortable about, yet he still does it with a purpose. And we can know that we're not utterly destroyed, but are being made into something more beautiful. The deadness of the chaff is stripped away, and we are being sanctified and transformed as God carries on his harvesting work. This is verse 29. This also comes from the Lord of hosts, who is wonderful in counsel and excellent in guidance. Through us, God is bringing in his harvest. Through us, God is carrying out his work in this world. And so, loved ones, as we read in verse 23, learn from the work of the Lord. Examine yourselves humbly as you come to him, repenting from sin and looking to him for grace. Wait patiently on him as he works through these situations to transform you. Call on him in your time of need and look to him for his tender mercy. And remember in your time of difficulty that he will not thresh you forever. He will not crush his people, the seeds of his harvest. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoking wick he will not snuff out. He is changing you through this. He is shaping you for eternity, sanctifying, making you holy, teaching and stripping away the deadness of heart caused by sin. He has a purpose, an eternal purpose, a glorious purpose, and his purpose is wonderful. And through you, he will carry it out, bringing praise to his almighty name. Amen.